Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Hey, to get us into the lesson today, I'm going to, to refer to a book that I read during a time where I was uh, spending quite a bit of time on my back. Uh, if I roll my sleeve up, I have a large scar that goes around my elbow because at a youth rally, I learned uh, several years ago in Great Falls, we had uh, finished off Saturday night with an ice skating party. And I learned the difference between hockey skates and figure skates, and I learned what a toe pick is. And so I busted my arm up and ended up in surgery and, and uh, had, um, had to lay around for a while. And so I thought, what is something that I can do that's going to be productive And one of the things was reading this book called Ancient Rome, A Military and Political History. And I lived in Rome for a year and a half. That's where my wife is from. And so I thought, boy, this is going to be a a good opportunity to learn and and to grow and and learn some of this history. And so as I walked through the book, basically this is what happens. Drama, 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 war, 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 that type of stuff. And and these emperors that become... um, come to power in Rome, it is just one big giant drama after the other. And so as I was reading through, there was, and the biggest thing that I got from the book is what I'm just got a small paragraph that I'm going to read to you here, because it shows something about us as people and what we tend to look for in leadership and what we remember. How many of you have ever heard of Hadrian? Roman emperor named Hadrian. Okay, Hadrian's wall in, in, um, in um, Great Britain is named after him. Uh, he was a, a Roman emperor. How many of you have ever heard of Marcus Aurelius? Okay, another Roman emperor that's very well known. How many of you have ever heard of Antonius Pius? Some of you have? Hey, you're good if, you, if you've heard that name. This is. Let me read part of this. Now, you get where I'm going here. Within a few months, Hadrian died. Given how unpleasant he had become, his passing was considered a loss by no one. The Senate was even inclined to annul his acts, but the new emperor prevailed upon the Senate to deify him, earning him for himself the title of Pius. So the new emperor is generally known as Antonius Pius. Okay, so Hadrian was awful towards the end of his reign. So the Senate, what they did was when, when there was a, an emperor who was awful, they just condemned him and moved on. Is that, that's what happened. But listen to this about Antonius Pius. His reign of 23 years, so it's not short, he was there a while. His reign of 23 years is remarkable for nothing apart from the fact that nothing remarkable happened in all those years. This may have something to do with a lack of sources, but the reign is marked by dynastic harmony. In other words, there was peace in the whole empire, good relations with the Senate, and the absence of any major military activity. And so he didn't send the Roman armies out to conquer he got along with the Senate, which was something, because the Senate and the emperors never got along, it seemed. And in AD 161, Antonius passed away after a long, dull reign and was succeeded by Marcus Aurelius, as Hadrian had wished. Now, I remember the first time I read that, I thought, wait a minute here. What, what did I just read? This guy was an emperor for 23 years during a very important time in Roman history, and All this book, this huge, thick book, has to say about it is it was really boring because he got along with everybody. And I thought, man, what does that say about us as people and what makes history? It's war, it's drama, it's disaster, all that kind of stuff is what we tend to write about and maybe what we tend to like to follow sometimes. But here you have an emperor in the middle of all of this that pursued peace. 
And I wonder what the average Roman thought about him at the time. I wonder if the average Roman thought, man, we need to pursue more conquering. I need to send my sons to war. We need to have a strife in the Senate. We need to have something that's going on that there's, there's just disaster happening. But I wonder if Antonius Pius knew something, maybe that it takes a little bit for us to catch on to, is he knew that I may not be remembered in history if I pursue peace, but that's best for everybody. And that's what he pursued. And as we've been going along, and this is lesson number nine, and we're going to finish it up today, we talk about what the scripture talks about when we look at shepherds in God's church. And starting today, we're going to start this uh, process of appointing shepherds. And after um, I'm finished, and we'll have a song, and then uh, I believe a closing prayer, and Matt Bachmeyer is going to get up and give some instructions on, on the phase that we're in here in the next two weeks and how we're going to approach shepherds. But as we look through this, uh, the descriptions of the things that we've gone through here the last while, and I'm going to do a summary of some of it today and, and hopefully give a, a call for the future, is we see these terms that we've seen uh, throughout the New Testament, some of them in the Old Testament, of what people who shepherd God's church are, su- are supposed to be. And here's some terms. The term elder, and these are the people that sit at the gate, the wise people that have seen life and, and they help run communities, whether in the Old Testament or the, the New Testament. They are the wise people that, that everyone else goes to to seek counsel and understanding. Uh, elders or shepherds are also called shepherds. And that's the, the image we get is those people who take care of the sheep and they look over them. If you read down through John chapter 10, you see a great description that Jesus gives. He says, I am the good shepherd and I don't run when things get hard. I stay by your side no matter what. And that's what we see is good shepherds are people that will stay in the thick of things and they do not abandon the sheep, but they walk to the end with them. Uh, Shepherds, elders are also called overseers. And this is a, a Greek or Roman term meaning manager, someone who helps keep things going in a good direction. And also stewards. And this is the idea of someone who is, if there's an owner owns a vineyard and goes away, the owner leaves someone who is a steward that takes care of things and makes sure things go well. And that's really what God has done with spiritual shepherds, is he has come, he has sent his son, his son has returned to heaven, and said, I'm coming back. And he has called and appointed spiritual shepherds to help guide all the rest of us through this life so that we can go uh, be prepared to see God when he does return. And those are the terms that are used, and we spent some time walking through those. We also say that elders in Timothy and Titus, there's some descriptions given, and we'll walk through these here briefly, that elders are to be above reproach. And above reproach is this umbrella that covers all these other descriptions that you see in Timothy and Titus, meaning that they are self-controlled, disciplined, not given to drunkenness. In other words, that's part of the spiritual qualities, part of the the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, meaning I decide that I'm going to do what's right instead of whatever feels good at the moment. And so these are people that are further along that journey in developing self-control than most of the rest of us. Elders are also to be gentle. And the definition that is given in the Greek dictionary here is not insisting on every right of letter of law or custom, but one who is able to be yielding, gentle, kind, courteous, and tolerant. That's the description that is given there 
of one who is a shepherd. And so her shepherds are not the people that get offended immediately or, or need to lay down the hatchet immediately in some discussion, but are willing to say, let's stop and let's wait and let's pray through this and see how God is going to work. And they lead the sheep through situations gently. Uh, they're not people who are quarrelsome, quick-tempered, overbearing, or violent. Uh, These are descriptions that are all given in Timothy and Titus as this is what you don't want. This is what elders are not. And sometimes as as we're not so far along in our spiritual journey, uh, our tendency is to to maybe out of trying to do good and trying to do right, we create quarrel and and we're quick-tempered, we're frustrated when, when someone says something that we don't like and we need to correct it immediately, or we're overbearing or violent, the idea being is is that we don't have the patience to just sit and pray through situations and allow allow God to work. Um, that's 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 pretty important qualities that that uh, Paul gives to the Timothy and Titus, saying these are the people that you look for, not people that are like that. He continues on and he says, above reproach also means people that are hospitable, people who love strangers. And the tendency for us, now some of us are just naturally, we, we see someone who is, who is that we don't know and we just love to run up to him and talk to him and bring him into our lives. And some people are gifted that way. Most of us have to work at that because we're most comfortable about the, with the people that we're familiar with, the people that we have relationship with. And so when someone new comes into our community or it's, it's hard for us to say, oh man, I've got to get out of my comfort zone and go find out about them and love them because they're, they're, Different. I just don't know them. But Paul tells Timothy and Titus, these are people you look for, and this is a spiritual quality that is to be developed, is learning to, to welcome strangers into our community, being hospitable. Uh, he continues and says that elders are to be people that are holy and upright, and that they're the opposite of pursuing evil. They're, they're the ones that pursue what is good and what is right and honorable. And elders are not a recent convert or the idea person that is not newly planted. And you remember we, we looked at that, the plant that I could have just torn apart there because that's when we're young spiritually. We just don't have the roots like these big oaks or these big ponderosas that live in this area. That fire goes by, wind goes by, whatever. The roots just stay there. Because what happens is, is that if we're a brand new Christian and we're put in a, a position of, of great spiritual authority, we tend to become conceited or puffed up, and when we get puffed up, that's exactly where Satan wants us. We think we know way, way more than we do, and we end up in a, in a whole lot of a world of hurt for ourselves and for the people that we're, uh, we're seeking to influence. Now, elders are also uh, part of being above reproach, is being able to teach sound doctrine and encourage and rebuke others. Okay, And teaching comes in a lot of different forms. It's not just standing up here in front or standing during the, the Sunday morning or Wednesday night Bible classes and teaching, but it's teaching children in various ways. It's teaching through life. It's walking side by side with people and showing what godliness is about in, in all sorts of different um, ways and, and forms. I know that I, some of the greatest lessons I've ever learned uh, we're far, far away from the church building, but someone invested time in me to walk side by side with me through life. And I learned a tremendous amount. And they weren't gifted orators, but they were people that knew life and, and were willing to teach me and guide me through those times. And part of teaching is, is knowing God's word. So 
so shepherds know what is sound doctrine, what is right, and what is not right out there. Because there's a whole lot of stuff that's out there in every generation, every society, that appears spiritual, but it's not. And elders through time and understanding and learning God's word are called to know the difference between those things and be able to encourage people and correct people, call people higher in all sorts of ways to understand what God's will is for them. Elders are also being above reproach, meaning not a lover of money or pursuing dishonest gain, but one who is respectable and that has a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Because if someone serves as a shepherd and has a terrible reputation outside the church building here, outside us as a community of people, then that's pretty disgraceful. And it's hard on that person, it's hard on the church, it's hard on everybody. The elders are also to be above reproach, meaning uh, regarding family. An elder is to be one who is faithful to his wife. There is no question who he is married to. And he manages his family well and honorably. And who are faithful and are not considered wild and disobedient. The idea is, the term can be uh, translated children who believe or children who are obedient. And and either fits and it's all the above. And so there's, we need to be, as as I mentioned as we walked through that, uh, careful to not put burdens on on elders that God himself is not able to pull off in in this category. Um, But, when we look at an elder and his family, we look and think, wow, yeah, that's good. There's, there's some great things that, that have been done there that has called me higher to be the person that I need to be. Uh, there is uh, part of being above reproach. We'll look at one more here, and this is something we'll hit because I didn't talk about it earlier. First Timothy chapter 1, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 11. And if you skip down some, it says, in the same way the women, so probably the the wives of elders and deacons. The women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. And so, just like the elders are called to be people that, that have the same qualities that hopefully all of us are cultivating, they're just further along the road than we are. The same is true as, as the ladies who are, who are married to elders um, in, in their lives, in the same way the women are to be worthy of respect. Okay, there we have it again. Above reproach, blameless, worthy of respect. Here's the umbrella. This is what worthy of respect means, is not one who is a malicious talker. Our mouths, whether we're men or women, who can really get us in trouble. They can get us in trouble, and they can create all sorts of heartache for the people around us. Um, gossip is one of those things that, uh, just look up gossip and go to Bible gateway.com and type in gossip and see how many times it comes up and and there is there's all sorts of instruction in scripture about that and i think the the easiest way to look at it is that what comes out of my mouth does it promote healing or does it promote damage to other people and if what i comes out of my mouth is promoting damage then i shouldn't be saying it and if um, if there's when we're shepherding other people and then we're talking it creates Great heartache, and that's not what God wants of us. But he wants people who are temperate, moderated, and trustworthy in everything. Um, does, it's kind of like what we read earlier, Antonius Pius. He's different. He was temperate, and he was trustworthy in ways that the emperors on either side of him were not. And he's not remembered near as much. But maybe that's, there's some wisdom in that with God, is that when we do 
things to create peace and harmony. Maybe we don't realize some of that in this life, but we sure do in the next life. And this is what God calls us to be. Um, in 1 Peter chapter 5, let's go ahead and turn there. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read a, a section of scripture here, starting in verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. To the elders among you, and Peter is speaking as a fellow elder here, and he's sharing some thoughts from his heart. I appeal to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. All right, so here we have one example. This is called the traditional design or diagram for elders. You have Jesus as the head up there, then there's elders and shepherds, and they are over everybody. Okay, that's great in that elders are called to, to help manage and to help guide the church, and that is true. But this becomes a problem as diagram starts to fall apart when elders see themselves as the ones who who are in control and lord it over and command everybody else. Okay? That's where you see Peter telling him, don't do that. You know, don't do that. Be gentle as you, you guide and you lead people. And Peter learned that. You look at Peter the early part of his life, I think that's something he learned. I don't think that he came by that naturally. But he, is, he, uh, he grew spiritually and, and understood that over time. Another diagram that we see here is, is this is the inverted diagram. It's a response to the first diagram that we saw. Okay? Jesus is the head. The elders and shepherds are on the bottom, and they bless everybody, and they, they take care of everybody that way. And that's great. That's, that shows a, another aspect of being a shepherd that is, that is really powerful. But there's a problem with this as well. Because if the weight of the entire world is on your shoulders, what ends up happening? You burn out get tired, get hurt, and I'm convinced that there's men that will not serve or have not before because they've seen this diagram in action and think, oh, no, that hurts way too much. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to subject my family to that. And I believe, okay, speaking to those of us who will not serve as elders, it's our job, again, if you continue to read down through First Peter there, it's our job to make their life a joy. It's, and, and God will judge us on that, and that's important. It's our job to make sure that, that their life is, that, that, they, that, they're, that as far as it depends on us, they can look back in life and say, wow, it was great to serve as an elder. Look at this, this flock that I served was tremendous. Uh, what, they, what they did and what they, uh, how God worked, it was just wonderful. And this is another diagram that's helpful for us. All of them are helpful, and all of them fall short on some level. But you have this incarnational diagram where you have Jesus is the head of the church. And then you have the church or the congregation. You have elders. You have other leaders. You have brothers and sisters. You have elders. And the elders are the ones that walk among us as the examples to what are we supposed to look like and how are we supposed to, to, uh, to attain. Um, and, and that's helpful for me to think about is these are the people that that I can look to and I can ask questions of and say, I know you're a little further along this journey than I am, and how do I walk my children through this phase of life? Or how do I walk through this phase of life with my family uh, or, or spiritually or my job situation, whatever? Because you've been there. You know you have something to say to me. And it's helpful to have those people among us. And so hopefully those diagrams help us, help us think about, about what it means to be a shepherd. Let's look at... Uh, 
another passage here. Uh, some of it was read already, but we'll go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And Eli read that top part there where it says that, that Christ uh, gave gifts to people. And he talks about the gifts. He's given some to be apostles, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers or elders and teachers. And he walks down through all of that description. And he talks about how when, these, when people in God's kingdom will rise up and will do what God has called them to be. Look at verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so what Paul is saying there is... There is, when this gift that Christ has given to the church, and we'll talk about elders specifically. It's not the only people he talks about, but we'll just talk about that specifically for our purposes today. When people and men will serve as elders, and they give their heart to that, and they do it well, what happens is all of us rise up and become the people that we're supposed to be more and more. Something I've noticed uh, about church plants, usually when churches are planted, in the first, sometimes many years after churches are planted, especially if they're planted by people that are really young, there is fight here, fight here, drama, 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 and it's just kind of like this rolling, ugh, you know, type of, type of dynamic of what happens. But as people grow, as people learn, as people become more and more full of the fruit of the Spirit, and as men rise up and serve as elders and examples and help people walk through, like we've talked about, Elders are the shock absorbers of the church. The rough road is always there, but they just help guide us through. Now what happens is churches are able to focus on the mission and focus on what's happening outside of us so much more because inside our community of faith, we know that things are going to be okay because these shepherds continue to walk beside us and they have demonstrated over time that they're going to lead us from here to here and it's going to be okay. And that is, over time, as we get older and we grow up a little bit, we start to, the, the things that, that scare us or spook us when we're younger don't scare us anymore because we realize that it's going to be okay. We're going to be able to walk through this. And the same is true as churches. As we grow and as we mature, we start to realize, you know, things are going to be okay because God is with us and he sent shepherds that help us walk through the tough situations in life. And I know that the current shepherds that we have right now, with Dan and Mark, I've seen them do that over and over again. Take hits or, or take a, a wrestle in prayer for people or walk side by side with people at times through tough situations because that's where their heart is at. And they wrestle over your spiritual well-being. And so that's what this is, you know, part of what this is all about. Last nine weeks of preaching, um, talking through what does it mean to look for people among us that will shepherd us and how do, we, how do we go about being those people ourselves, people that will shepherd other people in whatever sphere of influence God's given us, no matter who we are. Now, there is a, there's part of me as, as I walk through this, and this has come up a few different times. Someone has approached me and said, Chris, I'm really excited about appointing elders, and we've gone through this process, and I, I've learned a lot, and, and, but... 
what happens if we get to this process and no one comes up or no one will serve as an elder? What are we going to do then? You know, ah, you know, that kind of thing. Well, here's, here's what I think. Okay? Number one is I believe that God is working here, and I believe there will be people that serve. That's my guess. I'm, I cannot, I'm not a prophet that I can see into the future. I don't know that. Okay? But I, I see God working in a whole lot of different ways, and I think there will be men that will submit when the church calls them to serve. But even if we get a few months from now, and there's, there's for various reasons, whatever they may be, men say, I will not serve, can't serve, can't go through all of this. One thing I know for sure is that God is working. And I see it in a whole lot of different ways. I see it in, in conversations that I have with you. I see how, how you guys interact with each other. I see how you uh, do life. Uh, just one example, and I want to be careful about how I share this. Uh, last week was, was phenomenal. From what I understand, the church set a record attendance by far last Sunday um, on any non-youth rally Sunday, like youth rally, you have a bunch of people coming in from out of town, so it's not an apples-to-apples comparison. But on a Sunday here in Belgrade, there's more people here than there on one assembly than there, there ever has been before. Full, 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 all the way through. That's a great problem. Now, I want to make sure we're not saying, like David, counting his mighty men, look, say, look how great I am, look at all these people. Okay, that's not what this is about. But very simply, as God is working here, and we're part of something that is much, much bigger than us. Because God is bringing people, God is calling people, and God is working. And if we go through this, and, and there's, for, for whatever reason, and God leads us at this point in time, and there's not more elders appointed in, in a few months, what I'm hopeful for is that every one of us realizes that these qualities of spiritual leadership that we walk through, that every one of us is responsible for being a person that looks out for the spiritual well-being of others. And maybe we got a whole lot better description of what it means to be a person who who is willing to say, all right, I'm going to go out of my way to be hospitable for others because I know that's what God wants me to be. Or I'm going to learn to be gentle because I know there's that fire in me that just wants to just blast whoever is there. But I'm learning to not do that because I understand that spiritual leadership is about gentleness in God's kingdom and demonstrating that. And if all of us become more and more of that, what God wants us to be, then in the next years there's going to be Many more elders coming. But maybe more importantly than that is every one of us is going to walk through life with a much deeper and a much more real perspective that God wants me to be more than just one who sits here that takes in, that criticizes the sermon. And please, criticize away. That's fine. I'm more critical myself than you could probably ever be. And I get done, I think, man, I should have said that different, all that. But more importantly is that each one of us comes here, we encourage each other, And we get up and we don't say, okay, we're done with that for the week. But we walk out those doors saying, this week is just beginning. Because God has given me a purpose in life to be a spiritual example for the people around me. And now I know more what that's supposed to look like. And boy, if all of us take that on, then great. This is fantastic. And God is doing great, great stuff in us. Now, I'll give you the the invitation. If you want to have prayers, you want to... uh, Uh, be baptized today. You're welcome to go back. The elders are back there willing to pray with you. Uh, We're going to sing a song. I know that Matt Bachmeyer, part of this uh, or the uh, elder selection committee, is going to come up and give an announcement, give some instructions on on what we're going to do here in the next two weeks. 
and then we'll dismiss here in a little bit. Let's stand and sing together.